How you doing, Sus? Good. Episode 462. How are you? Oh, oh, look who rhymed! <laughs> At long last. Oh, how the tables have turned. At Everybody's going to write and say, that was last. my favorite moment ever of the whole podcast because Susie did it. <laughs> no, it's that's like, your favorite moment. <laughs> yes, it totally is. Victory. Oh, my goodness. Well, so how's my Susie today? Real good. Really? Yeah, real good. That's good. What's your secret? (laughs) I mean, you don't want to know because I kind of been like judgy about people lately. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like I'm getting annoyed with people who are not suffering in a way that like I deem true suffering like if you like lose your job or yeah if you're not you know if you're uh diagnosed with something like that's true suffering but like i just hear a lot of white people whining all the time yeah because basically that we are very good at that (laughs) we are professionals if you will yes like this year sucks so bad it does and there's no denying that um but like i feel like people really had it good for a really long time and they're like hey wait a minute yeah i'm like yeah hello this is what most of the world has and far worse (sighs) so i'm like super judgy about it being like okay like let's suck it up let's pull ourselves i every so often i notice that i have like my conservative tendencies you know i don't know but i I will say I don't know if those are conservative tendencies because I think what you're talking about is resiliency. Yeah. That you have resiliency and it's not a conservative thing. It's because you have had to be resilient. Yeah, but they would claim that it is. Like that's their whole mantra is like personal responsibility and like, hey, you know, life's tough. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like that's kind of their Mm -hmm. worldview, at least in theory. I don't see it in real life so much mm-hmm. but yeah um yeah every so often i'll be like oh that's like from my upbringing i think oh yeah well yeah but i so i don't see it as i see it as like you grit. have yes grit yeah. that is totally the word for it i see it as you have something that <laughs> a lot of people it takes a long time to get yeah you know? But the thing is, like on the last episode, I was like, you know what? I'm really starting to, to have more empathy and compassion for people. And now you're like, yeah, so I'm yeah, okay. that was short lived. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was having a conversation. This is going to be like me, like divulging like my own therapy on here with my mom. Okay. I was talking to my mom, and I was telling her, like, mom, I'm like having, you know, I have a tough time. More like finding the motivation to mm. come up with a list of new things to do to like new coping strategies uh, because yeah. like the, yeah. the go-to methods aren't available. It's like, ah, you know, I have to like change yeah. how I work out or change how I do this. And my mom told me, she was like, Sarah, I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> you haven't had to struggle or, or <laughs> had to think about like, have to really worry about not worry, but like, if I wanted to learn how to do something, I did it. It was like, if I mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, if I, I study for the test, get the good grade. Everything was like, it, it, it didn't come mm-hmm. easy, but, but it kind of did. And I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and this is like a time in my life where I have to learn how to mm. s- struggle a little bit. Yeah. How to like come up. I have to build some grit. Like I'm, I have grit in maybe some categories, but not in others. And I, I was gonna, I was actually thinking of you because I 
well, I'm, you're like my only friend. So I was <laughs> thinking about Aww. how, because I was thinking about Same. how I'm so, very you know. competitive. And so I use that as a way to like keep myself motivated. So like uh-huh. it's, a, and then I thought Sarah's super competitive too. Like she should yep. try this technique because I'll tell you what, it really works for me because I well, want to read the most books and I want to, yes. you know, whatever it is. And, and I, so, I don't yeah, know. Yes, at 100%. Be, and that's what I was kind of th- talking about with my mom. I'm like, this sounds so silly, but there's no way to, like, mark, like, improvement or it's hard to, like, measure. You yeah. Know, before I was in – that's why I loved grad school or yeah. loved school forever. It's like, do the work, get Milestones, the good grades. Yeah. Here you go. And it's, like, proof of – and so mm-hmm. you have to just start thinking of – Worth in a new way. That's what I'm saying. You know, and that takes some like learning how to do and maybe getting outside of your comfort zone or learning things that like it doesn't necessarily come easy. And, you know, so I think people learn things at different times or get those lessons. And for some people, like, you know, my little brother, nothing came easy to him. Mm -hmm. It was a struggle. And now he's like, He's yeah, this ain't, this ain't no thing. He's thriving. Right, right. He's right, like, right, right. yeah, this is great. I got it. I, I'm handled. I got this handled. No problem. But I, I mean, I'm inconsistent though because like you and I yeah. were texting the other day about a white male mm-hmm. uh, cast member who was like, give you know, yeah. giving advice about positive thinking and like, you know, just try your best kind of speech. Yeah. And uh, we were like, that's easy for a white man with every... A resource available to him to say, like, all you have to do is try real hard You're when right. that's not always the case. Yeah. So there are limits yeah. to the grit, yes. you know, what grit can do if you don't have the resources also. Yeah. And, and first you have to like develop, you know, like build the road and then drive down, like the, mm-hmm. develop that, that grit or that, you know, option. Yeah. Or, how no. do you do that? Well, I'll have to look that up. I'll have to think you about that later. You just have to like handle it, you know, and know that you can and survive and you have to go through it. It's like, I mean, oh my God, I was like just having this conversation with my mom the other day. She was talking to me about how it's okay to be in a struggle and think about like every phase of life that where, where something new emerges, there is a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. The, a birth or uh, a butterfly coming out, uh, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly or mm-hmm. like the, it it's not like poof you know there's it's like a struggle yeah and so well, it looks sometimes messy and, well, and so it, we it's just don't bullshit like that. that we even have to have grit right now like a lot of this was unnecessary right. and right. it's poor leadership and all these things that come together but it is what it is so it is what it is let's go people Let, right. <laughs> i'm like a drill you, sergeant yeah you're like shake it off let's go start <laughs> utilizing these new well and then you're you know what you're so good at Susie, is you're really good at getting back to basics and i think that's what makes people thrive in times like this is returning hmm. to basics returning to like what is good for me what's good i need a routine i need family i need closeness like you're good at at the things that are like everybody else can often does the stuff around it like like what like uh it's like busy work like maybe if i work Mm. more maybe if i um i'm sure you do that too but maybe if i like uh 
Oh, I'm trying to think of of. We have to like simplify. Like, are like you getting work a good night's sleep? Not smarter. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 for mm-hmm. sure. Like, you're good at recognizing. Like, I need the uh, what? Like, where the boundaries are? I think. Yeah, yeah. I and would that, agree with that. Yeah, and taking time to turn inward and for self care and to take you know a bath and. And I guess I'm not saying all this to say that I blame people for like being down in the dumps. I I'm saying like you don't have to be right. There's another I, option. I want them to be happy and get back on track and all that. And I just want to, you know, sometimes you want to shake yeah. people and be like, come on, you yeah. can do it. Yeah. And it is, I think sometimes like during these times, hard to maybe admit that you need help doing it. And people yeah. get, people are like in that place of, no, I can handle it. No, I can do it. Well, and don't and, you notice though, that no. everyone's in crisis. And so like, there's no one to lean on. <laughs> right. It's very hard. So we have yeah. to like, you know, lean on, like, I, I'm always like outsource it, you know, like, this is why therapists are so fantastic. This is mm-hmm. why like, you know, have talking to family. I notice that sometimes I'm like my, um, like sometimes I'll just get in my own way. I'll be like, mm-hmm. I was t- like when I was talking to my mom, I, and I was like, I resisted like answering your call for like a week because I knew you had that, what I needed to hear, but I like wasn't ready to like not be like, I wasn't ready to do the work yet. Yeah, that's yet. a mom move. Yeah. You know, and now I'm like, oh, I'm ready. Okay, here I go. Now I can they talk to my mom. They always know. They do know. She's so good. And she so told annoying. me, and I was like, okay, here we go. And you know, now back on track. It was so, it's like, <laughs> and I was like, that's, I just got to use my resources. Sometimes I'm like, no, I just want to be pouty. Yeah, I mean, and we then all do I, that. then and then we're like, eh, no, I don't like doing that. That doesn't. Yeah, serve sometimes. Me. Why is that? Why is it so fun to be fussy sometimes? Oh man, we're like little babies. We are like little At babies. Our core. <laughs> yeah, right. And then we have to realize that there's that we kind of have to develop that grit, and that the person who's that we can rely on the most to like be there for us at any given time as ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think we're whiny and fussy when we feel like we can't be there for ourselves. Yeah. But then when we were, we're like whiny and fussy. Yeah. We're like crying to ourselves to come rescue us. <laughs> and then when right. we actually listen to the call and we're like, oh, okay, I'll help you. Then we stop well, whining. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah, try. Uh, I yes. I do think that's important, and we talked about that last week. Like, you got to make fun because sometimes it's not going to come to you. You got to like create it. You have to. Yeah. And there are strategies. I think sometimes we like overthink things. 
you know, we complicate it and we think, I don't know, you know, we think that you have to like go to Disneyland to have a good day or it has to be like Mm. Christmas to have fun. But like you said, this is why getting back to basics, like one of the things that I was, well, am going to share with you is a really cool study that they did in Britain of all, of course they did it there because they love gardening that said Mm. where they found that planting a handful of seeds in a bare yard could reduce stress levels as much as eight mindfulness sessions. Say that again. So this is a <laughs> basically What's a bear yard. You mean a bear yard? Like if you went from having no plants to okay. oh my god, I've got a sneeze. <laughs> Let like it out. Right, I'm trying so Look hard. Look at the light. Look at the I know, light. I'm trying to do that. Oh gosh, it's like right there, but like there's like a very small window in this office. Think oh, about it's just gonna live there. Oh my gosh, it's right there. Oh here, this is gonna be fun because it's just like hanging out. We'll see if I could like pay attention to like what I'm supposed to be talking about as we do this. <laughs> <laughs> but or the sneeze now it's kind of gone away this is good okay Sarah, you're killing me smalls you gotta let it out <sighs> okay go I, ahead. Ca- I can't control it if i, I know it's it gone i just hate i just that like feeling. maybe i need to like wear some pepper i need to like force it yes oh gosh <sighs> isn't it weird how, no i won't even say that on the air that's a weird thing to say <laughs> how, how so, well i now i have to say it you how, do you know, sometimes a sneeze it feels like a build-up to other bodily reactions oh yes and the, and now it goes away it's like oh if I, if right you, knows that you sneeze like. blue balls <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> that's it that's the thing that would have been a much lovelier way to say it okay <laughs> good job so see we got to okay. work on our material before go on air didn't know <laughs> who, who knew, knew i was, was gonna happen? who knew i was gonna have a sneeze huh okay back to plants and how they make you happy yeah so this was a four-year scientific research project that was done at the University of Sheffield, um, and it was they were looking at what happened uh, on uh, the effects of cortisol levels um, from like just looking at plants. And That's so, so cute, I love it. So they looked at forty-two, or they used forty-two different residents that had like no plants in their backyard. They like went from hmm. having no plants to having plants, and they and I love it that they listed the plants because I feel like that matters. Yeah, so it does. One tree, so a juniper or a snowy uh, mespolis. I don't know what that is. Okay. One shrub, one climber, so like ivy or something like that. Uh, one sub shrub, like lavender or rosemary. Didn't even know that was a word, but a I sub like shrub. A slu- sub shrub. <laughs> Um, which sounds like an insult or something adorable. <laughs> right. I like that. It's um, like the Rick Moranis of plants. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> That's totally funny and so accurate. You know what you are so good at, by the way, I have noticed you are that that's like your superhero power too. That's what Adam says. You are so good. Like, like, oh my gosh. Oh, like anybody in politics, that's right. this version of he is the human, whatever. That's my oh favorite my kind of tweet. They're so right. good. Thank You're so you. good at that. So I just want to say a tip of the hat to uh, thank you so to you much. for that because I noticed that the other day as I was on Twitter and I'm like, oh, she's so good. Thank so, you. So there you go. Again, back to plants. So okay, good. they also planted some bulbs like daffodils and crocuses, um, some mm. bedding plants, petunias and uh, violas, and or violas. Which one is that? Viola, viola. I mean, I that's know. an instrument. Are we talking about violets? V-I-O-L-A. Maybe petunia and viola is like the plural of violet. Oh. Look what we just discovered there. Okay. 
like a, a bed of violets is vile. I don't know. That's a strange. I'm looking this up. Go. You can keep talking. Okay. That is and so interesting. So they filled two containers with those plants. Um, I would imagine big containers in their backyard. And then they used a control group who received the plants one year later. Uh, and they measured it. And before the experiment, this is the sad part, that before the experiment, only 24% of those residents had healthy cortisol patterns. And so wow. they, me- they measured their cortisol uh, over the course of the year. Um, and this was pre-COVID, it, the study also okay. mentions. Um, I bet those and, plants wouldn't help anymore. Right? And I was like, oh, forget Fuck it. Fuck it. Um, no, again, back to basics. Uh, okay, <laughs> so over the course of the year, following, planted, following the plantings, the, the people who had healthy cortisol levels went from 24% to 53% of the residents. Wow, that's so good. That's a big improvement. And it's such a, a quick and easy fix. Yeah, just a handful. It like didn't take that many, and I don't think it like matters what kind. I think I don't think it was just cute that they put that in there. And the other things is that perceived stress amongst the whole group decreased six percent after the. So like their own, uh, how they reflected on their own levels of stress. So they th- they even thought that they were less stressed, which really helps. And that over a longer period That's of time for sure. would for sure make your stress levels go down. Wow. And then over half the residents said their front yard helped them ma- make them feel happier. And yeah. 40, 40% said it helped them be more relaxed. And over one in four said it helped them be closer to nature. I love it. I know. I, I think I've told this story before, but there was this one episode of Oprah where she was in, you know, like Africa, Africa, where they were living in poverty mm-hmm. and this family was in basically a hut, like a dirt floor little hut. Mm -hmm. And they had one pole in the middle. And I just remember that the woman that lived there had tied this ribbon around the pole. It was super small. But Oprah was saying how even people who have so little still value and need beauty in their life. Even if it's Mm -hmm. as small as just a little ribbon on a bar in your, or a pole in your house, it matters and it can be helpful. And I feel like that's what this study demonstrates that mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't have to be elaborate or even picturesque where it can go on Instagram or something. Just anything helps. It really does. And I think it's, it's so important to have that connection to nature. I think yeah. we just are like losing that. And I mean, I notice it from living in Los Angeles. For I sure. I never lived like in a city and for this length of time i'm trying to think mm-hmm. like even when i lived in new york for the show we were there mm-hmm. for like four months or so but we were right on the water so yep. it didn't feel and like that makes it, a big difference huge i woke up every morning to the sound of like splashing waves come yeah. on that doesn't count as <laughs> come living on in the, forget it and even there i still remember calling my friend amanda and saying to her like I feel like I cannot take a deep breath here. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's because you're not in nature and because you're from California and you are yeah, in you're the always of a by the city. beach. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. And being in a place where I've been cut off from nature and had to really, uh, like, search it out, um, I really feel – it's kind of like when you – you know how we, like, look at 
people who have the brain disorders to like yeah. understand how working brains work. Yes. It's like me being cut off from nature <laughs> made me be like, holy shit, I need some nature. You That's don't know right. what you got till it's gone. Ain't that mm-hmm. the truth? Yep, Joni oh, Mitchell never lies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that you said that. Well done. I always say that. It's so stupid. Joni Mitchell never lies. But that's like, good job, good play. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <laughs> okay, dokie. Okay, so plants make you happier, and that's Got wonderful. It. But um, I had an experience that I, I mean, I should have t- told you this right off the bat because it is, I have to complain to somebody about it, and I can't yes, complain to I Ren about that. it. Yeah. Okay. I had an experience at the dog park. Oh my gosh! I was like, I cannot wait to talk to Susie about this. Were I they almo- human or I, a dog? Both. Okay. I almost text you. I don't want to like. Oh my god! But I almost texted you, but I was like, no, save it. Um, <laughs> so I've been saving this one for a week. So okay. I go to the dog park with Bo, and we are hanging out in there. And there's this other woman in there, and she's like about my age, and she's there with a little dog, and we're like hanging out, talking, and. You know, masks on, of course, because I have to say that. And um, (laughs) then there's this... So we're inside the dog park. Then there's this guy who comes up who's probably, like, maybe late 20s. And he comes up with his dog. And he's outside the dog park. And he's got, like, some big fancy... Oh, he's got a standard poodle. Big black standard (laughs) poodle. Like, real fancy-looking dog. I don't know why it matters, but it does. (laughs) <laughs> and if you have a standard poodle, like, don't write me. My aunt had a standard poodle. They're fine. They're lovely I like dogs. Them. But yeah. yes, but they're like smart dogs. They're dogs yes. that like require a lot of training too because yeah. they are really smart. Mm-hmm. This guy, um, so I need to like paint you a picture of like, you know, yeah. what kind of like this. Like, <laughs> just paint the whole scene. So this guy comes up to the park and the dog, he like walks the dog and doesn't come into the dog park, but stays outside. And he's probably like, 20 feet away, 30 feet away from us. So the dog goes to the bathroom. And then this guy proceeds to just walk away. Come on. And so don't you know. Uh-oh. Your girl was in a mood. Oh, that day. no. And I was like, <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh, my God. And I really said, hey, buddy. I was just going to say. I knew you were going to ask that. So I absolutely said that. You going to pick up after your dog over there? (gasps) Just like that. Oh, no. And he was like, uh, uh, uh. And he starts looking around. I go, they got bags right over there. Or right over here. Point to both sides of the park. Woman inside the dog park goes, I'm so glad you said that. Oh, good. and And she goes, he has definitely been here before, and he knows where those bags are. And I'm like, ooh, yes, an ally. I love it. So then, like, I'm, like, fired up now. And then we're, like, talking about, like, not – he can't hear us. But we're talking about how frustrating that is that people don't do that and how ridiculous it is that, like, they're providing bags. Like, how lazy are you? Like, also, this is, like, everybody's space. And people don't do it in the dog park because they feel like – like, because it's managed or maintained by the – 
complex, but like not by the minute, you know, and so they just don't pick up after their dogs in there. And then I'm like running around with Bo in there and thank God I've never stepped on one of these landmines. So back to <laughs> this guy, right? So back to this guy. So, so he picks it up. Then. Okay. Wait, did he say anything or he just nod or what? He, he was like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. And he, and he was like, he, and then he was like, where are the bags? And then I was like oh, pointing dang. there and there. Like to one side of the, you can freaking see them. It's like all it takes is, and the fact that you've been here and you don't know means you're definitely the cul- one of the culprits. Yeah, repeat who's offender. Du- repeat offender for sure, which is what she was like agreeing with me on. <laughs> then, so then the trash can that, this one, I, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, this is my favorite part. So the trash can that was right in front of him, his dog went to the, oh, then he comes back. He's got the bag in his hand. He is looking for like, at least two minutes for his dog's poop that he can't even, he can't remember where it is. So okay. I'm like, but right over there by the trash can. Oh God. Now the trash can that the dog took a shit next to is <laughs> in the middle of being like, the, they must be like, t- like fixing it or something like that. So there's no lining in it and it's taken apart. Like the, like the, it's definitely okay. a do not use me situation. Now. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. can see where I'm going with this story. Yes. Now. He just got a trash bag. I just got a poop bag from the like the, the station that has a poop bag and a trash can. Yep. He sees that there are two of those on each side. <laughs> he recognizes that this is a trash can that's not functioning. Yeah. And he looks up and he goes, uh, should I throw it in this one? And He gr- did not. Susie... I hand to God, the woman, I I was like, this is the part I was like, I have to share this on the podcast. I can't believe this. The woman next to me goes, oh, he did not just ask you how to use a trash can. And I was like, oh yes, he did. And I was like, um, you could probably, that one doesn't have a liner in it. So you can probably use it in the one that's right underneath where the bags came from. This is so weird because it's like the opposite of mansplaining. I couldn't believe he's learned helplessness or something. But you know what? Then she and I were both like, well, at least it's all men. <laughs> at least they're like, you know, because we've all been there in that situation. We're like, no, you put the right. liner in the trash can. What in the world makes you like, come on. Like, where were we on this one or whatever? We've all been there in some scenario. And so it's always and like part of me was like, oh, no, no. And the other part of me was like, well, I guess that's it. There, This is how this is. It, wow. Huh? But I couldn't believe that I was asked how to use yeah, a trash he needed can. instructions. <laughs> instructions. And then I was like, oh, he respects me or fears yeah, me. Either way, nice. I love it. I was on a power trip after that. And then she and I were just like, that was fun to watch. Can you believe what just happened there? Oh, my God. Yeah. And then did he come in and did you have nope. any kind of interaction? No. And then he would just, we were just like, thank you. And, you know, I did oh, say it Lord. with less attitude. Maybe not the first part. The first part I gave you was an accurate. Uh, uh, Smug. Uh, accurate, uh, you know, reenactment. Yeah, which was fair. Fair, because hello, harsh you just left fair. your dog's... Harsh but fair. You left your dog's shit. In fact, it was it was fair and not harsh, because if I were somebody who could write a ticket, I'd fine you for that. So <laughs> I, I let you off with a warning. If I, I you think know. we're all better for ha- the fact that you aren't able to do that. <laughs> what if? Citizen's arrest! Citizen's arrest! No, I would not be that lady. <laughs> Citizen's arrest! I would not be that lady. I cannot be that lady. Because no. you know how like the BTK uh, serial killer 
was one of those guys that would measure people's lawns and give them tickets oh, if their my grass God. was too... So what are you trying to say? The <laughs> cereal killer? I'm saying, you know how those people are that like take their ticketing yes. too seriously? Yes, don't It's worry. good that we can't aren't giving you that opportunity. <sighs> well, yes, it is very good. You know? <laughs> I'm also not murdering people, so you True. should like rest assured. Allegedly. But I will say that it was on a day where I was like... Just you wanted feeling... to murder someone. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was I was not utilizing my outlets as I should in a healthy way. So I was like, mm. okay. You well, know. I'm glad he got the, the brunt he of did. it. And then I felt better and I was like, ah. Oh. And then I worked out and then I felt all better. You know. <laughs> yes. But can you freaking believe that one? I couldn't even. Well, and, but no, it did because bring me a little bit of joy. Didn't he know that you could see him? That's like, the part where I just, the breakdown, like. Because you would think that would be more common if they think that no one's watching. Yeah. I mean, it really, I can only imagine what he's like when nobody's around or what. That's the thing. Like, where's the account? I just don't understand that. That, that, what about, I don't know. He has no civic duty. Yeah. I forget the name of that. There's a name for that problem when it's a shared space and nobody wants to be the person that takes care of it. I mean, it's not unlike when we were in the challenge house and we would be asked to clean and it would feel like, okay, but why are, why am I the only cleaner when there's 30 people making the mess? And now I can't remember there's in political theory, there's a name for it because we, we have this problem as a society. If we have a shared space or shared problem, like collective something, something like there's not in my backyard, collective indifference, collective Something. I'll I'll use that. That sounds nice. Sounds good. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, you know what else is good? The <laughs> fact that they're bringing back the price is right. <gasps> Wait, where did it go? Yes. Well, uh, well, it's been... You can't come back because it oh. went away for COVID. Okay. I, I didn't know if you meant it was canceled and I didn't yes. know about it. I see. Okay, tell me. Yes. Yeah, so the Price is Right is returning to production and they redesigned the set <laughs> with no audience. Get good out. News, all, 77, all 77 games are still played. Okay. So like they're going to audition people for it now? Yeah. Oh, my God. We need to go on. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that as an option. You know my friend Megan went on there and won a call. Yes. Shout out to Megan. Yes. And like $32,000. And we need to like check out what kind of microphone it's using because you know how like we've been like very judgy of of microphones and and we were talking yeah. about microphones from the 70s and things like that. Yes. Yeah, we've totally. So it's, it's definitely coming back. When and I'm is all that? About that? Like in the next few weeks or? And oh, yes. It should That's be so back great. in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they will have 
um, contestants that are in the studio, mm-hmm. but they there just won't be an audience. And each contestant on Bitter's Row are six feet apart. And they pulled all the Bitter's audience row. chairs. Yep, yep, right? <laughs> Bitter's Row. Is that funny? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I just love it. I feel like we could be really good at that game. And I feel like you'd be really good at guessing prices. <sighs> Maybe. I mean, I'd like to think so, Sarah. And you <laughs> would be chosen because of your enthusiasm. A hundred percent. Susie, I have a, like, I don't know if it's the enthusiasm or that I'm just like, well, yeah, it's probably the enthusiasm. What, it's the competitive thing. But if I go to any, uh, uh, I'm always the audience member that gets chosen for participation. Oh, I yeah. cannot tell you how many times this has happened. It ha- I got pulled up on that Broadway show, um, Spelling Bee. I got what? pulled up for that. Did it you, was you interactive? Know? Yes. It was a live Spelling Bee, and they pulled up members of the audience. And, I mean, I want to brag, well, they but picked I'm, I'm right going to... They totally did, but then they picked the wrong girl because how they get <laughs> contestants out is they give you harder and harder spelling <gasps> words, and I, would, I kept winning. What did you go out on? I can't remember, but they were like, they looked at each other like, uh, and they were like, another yeah. round. And like, because they're oh like, my she, she got it right. So that was funny. Then when I was little, <laughs> I was at SeaWorld. I got pulled up on stage to do that thing with the seal where they like give you kisses and yes. sealed it. Any audience participation thing, I'm, uh, I got pulled up on a magic show to get hypnotized. Oh my God. You're perfect I'm to- for that. Per- oh, I was per, I, I'm, of course. I don't know what, it, it's the enthusiasm thing. So if I went to Price is Right, definitely getting pulled up on stage. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <gasps> remember you- when we were in Brazil, <laughs> Susie, uh, what happened with the guy on stage in Brazil and the taxi cab? <gasps> yes, I do. It's almost like tell I them. forgot about that story. Oh I feel embarrassed telling that Okay, story. I'll tell. Okay, so go. we were in, we were in um, I think we were in Rio yes. and we oh went to God. see I can't believe this happened. This is shows you that all women have the power. Just you have to just know how to harness it and use it. Well, it Continue. tells you me that you have the power. I mean, what was the name of that show? Was it just Samba or so, there was yeah, some sort it was of like famous like yes, name. And you know, they're dancing and it's beautiful costumes and shenanigans. And Sarah and I are like totally being silly. Silly. But it was a two drink minimum and their drinks are strong. <laughs> and one of the dancers really caught your eye, yes. but the feeling was mutual. Yes. And I was and like, this I'm going to give him the eyes. Could not take his eyes off Sarah. And by the time we left the show, they had made sweet love with their eyes so intensely that he followed us out into the street, followed us to... This now sounds creepy that I'm repeating it. it. I know. Now I'm like, that's kind of terrifying. And also, like, he is predatorial. Does he do this? He definitely does this at every show. This is like... And this (laughs) this happened exactly... Oh, my God. This happened exactly like he planned. This is like... I truly never thought it was disturbing until just now. But anyway... either. Sarah gets in the cab rolls down the window, and then that guy just puts his head in the window and plants one right on her. I know. Didn't even... Was there a tongue? Like, no, I don't think so. I think just just passionate smooch. <laughs> That's so great. At the time, we loved it. Oh, loved it. And here's the thing. It wasn't like... like I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm getting that one. And, and Su- yes. Susie is the best wing woman ever on the planet. <laughs> she'll be like... 
because I'm like, no, Susie, I can't do that. That's not. <laughs> like, just I'm not do, it. do that. It's fine. And she's like, no, Sarah, you can get anybody. Just and I'm like, no, I, can't. <laughs> I believe that. I'm telling you, this. I am not a woman with confidence when it comes to date. This is Susie is the only person I've done this around. Ren, the love of my life, man I'm with right now, who I've known for 12 years. It took me six months to for my friends to finally convince me to send him a message. So yeah. I am not one to do this. And this was way out of my comfort zone. And I definitely am more familiar with rejection. But yeah, Susie Sarah's was not like, aggressive in the dating world. No. So this is not like, oh, well, she... Uh, no, no, no. This doesn't happen to me. Which is no, why it's such a crazy story. And I really I, like, am a believer it? in that. Like, you're a woman. You can That's have whoever you want. Yes, you taught me this. I didn't know yeah. this. And so I, here I am to pass the message along of you too out there listening can do the same thing. All can you get a creepy stalker. Is, yes, you <laughs> could too could get a creepy stalker if you give him the eyes and you go to a Brazilian samba show. <laughs> I'm going to post those pictures because he really was handsome. Yeah. Do you have photos of that? Uh, about a thousand. I think you get took them out. all. Oh, I pro- oh my God, <laughs> that is so funny. Okay, listen, I had just broken up with somebody <laughs> I, and I was not, that was the same, uh, the same trip that you convinced me to do online dating and you wrote my profile for oh me, not God. wrote at all, but helped me. That's good. Yeah. I That's am good. a good lubricant to shenanigans for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, that. Sarah, do you have any more things you want to get to before I introduce mm. our guest for the day? Oh, a guest. Well, I will save it maybe uh, about, you know, we were talking about The Price is Right and some like other reboots that may be fun. Oh, well, we yeah. We can talk about that any old day. Well, maybe well, give I'm, me a hint. Any, I will. Do you think that I would be into? Yes. I, some that I want to see if you even remember. Oh my God, tell me. I can't. Okay. Wait. So this was like a list of like do's and don'ts. It was from The Guardian. And it was acceptable and unacceptable 90s TV shows that they should re- reboot. Okay. Or shouldn't reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I totally disagree with. Um, do you remember the show? These are the, the don't, or no, these are the do reboots. Okay. Do you remember the show California Dreams? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had love not that even one. Me too. I hadn't thought about that show in a hot minute. And <laughs> it, it is so, I love that. It was like an edgier Saved by the Bell, but barely edgier. It, and it was like, if you were like, like you want to be more edgy than Saved by the Bell, but Melrose Place was like too much. Oh, hell yeah. Because the only thing that really made it edgy was they were in a band. <laughs> right. And they maybe had like, yeah, they probably had like no... Real problem. It was very pure. Like that. Yes. Still. Yeah. Another one that I totally agree. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I oh, love yeah. that show. Mm-hmm. So good. Really very good funny. theme song. Um, this one I didn't even know about. Do you know the show Phenom? About I, a ten- yes. Yes. A tennis player? Yes, I loved it. You did. That was a good I, one. Know, That's a sitcom. I thought as soon as I clicked on it, I was listening to the intro, I was like, I bet Susie would like this. This feels yes. like a Susie show. And I yep. keep, I have looked up the main girl in it several times since really? then to be like, where is she now kind of thing? Oh my God. Because she had real curly hair like you. Ooh. And that's just so memorable. And she was just so cute. And oh. um, yeah, I hope they do bring these all back. Any others? Oh. Yeah. But this one, I want them to bring back so bad. And as soon as I like listened to it, it took me right back. And now I want to rewatch all of them. 
Which I feel like you probably weren't allowed to watch this show. <laughs> but it was called Eerie Indiana. Oh, Lord. I don't know that one. Oh, it was so good. It was kind of like Twilight Zone for kids. Oh, spooky. Yeah. <laughs> Super spooky. Say and it, it started with, it's spooky. <laughs> I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Yeah, and here, I want to play just a little bit of the intro music to take people back. Ready? This is great. Oh, yeah. To whom it may concern, if you're reading this document, it means I'm either dead or disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Oh, yeah. It took me right back. I remember listening to that and being like, oh, I remember that show. That sounds great. So good. Are uh, they going to bring these back, or are these are just no, suggestions? this was just suggestions. Damn, maybe. I know, but I really think they should think about that, because I think we're really into the Twilight thing. It's kind of like Black Mirror. <laughs> and then the things that were under Dote Reboot, Clarissa yeah. explains it all. Oh. I Teen- mean, yeah. wonder why, though. Well, they were saying because now, like, like uh, they said if you were to remake it now, and they're just, like, of course, being funny, it would be called Clarissa Screams Her Own Opinion About Everything As Loudly As Possible On The Internet, regardless of any discernible uh, ex- expertise. Right. I mean, maybe she already explained everything. Yeah, everything's explained. <laughs> and some home improvement, that was, like, definitely yeah, don't reboot that. that. Yeah, um, And then this show I never even heard of, and they were like, the name alone would never fly. Do you remember a show called Daddy's Girls? No. It was with Carrie Russell and Alan Ruck. Oh. And it was like, a, they said it could theoretically work as like a Saved by the Bell style reunion because of the mm. cast, but it was a very bad sitcom about Dudley Moore trying to look after three young women all by himself, and it was called Daddy's Girls. And they Ooh. were like, just trying to get a show called Daddy's Girls today. Go ahead. Try to get that make, made. I yeah. dare you. Would never no. fly. So <laughs> there's a list of things that should and shouldn't be uh, reboot, rebooted. And uh, that r- made me think that I really wanted to do a like call to action to tweet me or like message me or contact us and tell us your uh, favorite shows from that era because like mm. we're all thirsty for nostalgia. Yeah. So okay, now we'll that do that I on learned about Erie, Indiana, yes. Mm-hmm. Return, I'll let them return fill it. In. Yes, okay. I love it. Well, I'm really excited about our guest. She is a PhD. Her name is Norma Mendoza Denton, and she works at UCLA. She's a professor there. And she's an anthropologist, but specifically she does work in linguistic anthropology. And she wrote a tremendous book called Language in the Trump Era, Scandals and Emergencies. It was so good because 
It's a collection of essays of all different scholars from around the world who analyze the words that Trump has used over the last, over his career, but especially during his administration. And, you know, the way that it can persuade or um, manipulate or change your opinion of him. And it really helps provide, I told her it provided like academic mm-hmm. scaffolding for something that we all see and hear but maybe don't have the context to understand, is this a thing? And what are the consequences of these word choices? And especially like at his rallies, Norma talks about like the lock her up and the get them out and stuff like that. And just the ways that those are consequential phrases and behavior and, you know, what what it teaches us about humans and and especially politics. It's so good. Um, it's called Language in the Trump Era, Scandals and Emergencies, and she is a delight. And I hope all of you take her advice um, at the end of the interview where she says, please vote. And yes. I couldn't agree with her more. I can't wait to see all your I voted stickers, you guys. Mm-hmm. So tag us in those. Um, but Red and I are having her. a voting date tonight. We're ver- voting together. Oh, you're going to fill out your ballot? Yes. And we're That's making great. it into like a date, like a little date night. That is so good. I love yes. a ritual, especially when it's meaningful and and so important. I really hope everyone is going to vote. I know our listeners are passionate about these things, so be sure to tag us in that stuff. But check out this book and welcome Norma to the show. All right, here we go. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Norma. I I love your book, Language Thank in you. the Trump Era: Scandals and Emergencies. It's phenomenal. Uh, you must be so happy. Congratulations. Thank you. We are so excited. Uh, I co-edited this book with Dr. Janet McIntosh at Brandeis University. And uh, yeah, we were really uh, sort of sprinting towards the finish line to be able to get it in when it's really hopefully uh, going to make a difference in people's understanding of, of Trump's language. That's what I felt when I was reading it, just this immense gratitude that you guys seem to provide this academic scaffolding for what we all can see and hear but yeah. don't always know how to make sense of it. Right. So you guys did such a good job of that. And I hope tons of people read it and start Thank to understand you. this yeah. kind of complicated scenario. Yeah, was that well, What was your intention when you... When you... So, uh, you know, both uh, Janet and I are anthropologists. And many of the people in the book are linguistic anthropologists, linguists, and uh, cultural anthropologists. But I think we were all propelled by the 2016 election, where uh, really took a lot of people by surprise, including us. And um, I have had a longstanding interest in language and politics. And, uh, but my, my, most of my previous work has been on gangs, um, which if you think about it, is not so different from Republicans and Democrats, right? They behave <laughs> in a lot true. of, Good sort of uh, that kind of, cohorting uh, type of way that gangs behave sometimes. And, uh, and uh, Janet McIntosh has worked a lot in Kenya on whiteness there. And now she's been working on military speak. Uh, so working with a lot of people who are um, active military. And so both of us uh, 
when when the uh, 2016 election results came out, we were both motivated to try to do something in this area. We organized a panel and uh, at the American Anthropological Association, and from there, a lot of people were interested uh, in, yeah. in the topic, and we, we started collecting uh, people to round out the different aspects of the book. Isn't it funny how when you're a scholar, you can get really excited about these sort of niche um, topics, but in this case, certainly there seemed to be an immediate like mass appeal, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that for for me, it's very lucky in a way because um, I feel like it allows people to. First of all, it allows linguists and anthropologists to make ourselves relevant. Uh, you know, to try to talk to uh, issues in the moment that they're happening and not wait. You know, normally a book takes years to come out, years to be written. And so by that time, you know, whatever you were thinking is possibly not the hottest topic. Uh, but but I, I think that it's important for academics to try to react. I'm so uh, glad you did, too, because yeah, it does thanks. feel urgent um, and so consequential. Yeah. Um, did you feel that when you were putting it together? Well, you know, it's it was a little bit hard because normally when you have when you're studying something, uh, you have done fieldwork. And so there's a beginning and an end. The fieldwork happened. Or, or if you're a historian, the historical event is over and now you can take stock. And so you have a yeah. sort of bounded universe of things to explain. Right. But this is the data source that keeps on going. You know, it's like the Energizer Bunny of more and more and more and more data. It's the only book that I couldn't quite put down the manuscript when I finished it. Right. I finished, I turned it in, and the next day I was still I was still writing on it because even though I knew it nothing could go in there because it was done. Like, you know, the press has to go to press at some point. Um Was that yeah. frustrating though? Well, what it, it's frustrating in a way because you oh, there's one more thing. Yeah. One more thing needs to be said based on yesterday. Yeah. But but the rewarding thing is that many of the of the dynamics that we identified, we can still identify. You know, they're still productive and still going on. Um, so maybe I can give you an example. Yeah, hit me. Um, so in the book, I talk a little bit about um, well, me and. Uh, James Slaughter talk about uh, this dynamic. I'm sorry, Jack Sidnell talk about this dynamic of uh, get them out. What does it mean to eject protesters, right? Uh, so he talked about the meaning of ejecting protesters. And I sort of, I got curious about the get them out, uh, the chanting, right? And if you, if you remember, uh, the first chanting that started happening in, during Trump's previous campaign was lock her up. Sure. Right? Lock her up. Lock her up. So, so people would, would start chanting these chants, lock her up. Um, and then it became, um, you know, get them out when, when people were protesting. Later on, that sort of evolved into uh, send her back, right, talking about Ilhan Omar. Right. Uh, and, yes. And... Republican, other Republicans were sort of backpedaling on that one because it's one of their peers. And so now uh, the chant has turned into fill that seat. Right. They love three so, syllables, don't they? Yeah. So they really and you can see that, you know, there is a reason. Right. It's simple. It's memorable. Yeah. No one can mess it up, really. Um, 
but Democrats, we don't, you know, Democrats need that kind of pithy saying ability, right? Uh, our, our chants are uh, much more complicated because they're rooted in labor movements and labor marches, right? This is what um, always drives me bonkers um, about, because it feels like the parties play dif- by different rules mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, but, tell me what you mean. Well, um, I was really struck by when you spoke about his, he, a lot of why he's successful is because he's extremely entertaining. Even if you're repulsed by him, he certainly is compelling. And my co-host and I are both from reality television. Yeah. And I started back in 1998 and then went through into the 2000s and into 2010. And I watched the genre change. And I, it was produced in a different way. And it kept becoming more extreme. And I sensed the urgency from the producers that... They needed to up the ante, and it felt to me like the audience's palette had changed, that they had been desensitized over time and needed more and more, like a fix, oh, that's a bigger fix. so interesting. And so when you, and he's a reality guy. Yeah. And so I see... Well, my, definitely the ultimate stunt was the hospitalization. Right? I mean, that was I mean, quite everyone a was glued to the TV. Right? And then, the you know, he took the joyride... And I thought, this guy makes great television, even mm-hmm. if you don't like it. Oh, and yeah. so I wonder to what, like, do you think the audience is aware that their tastes have changed and that they are becoming more, like, they enjoy that locker up, the spectacle of it, theatrics? What do you think? You know, I think that a lot of people are aware that part of, you know, we all know that the part of the way that Trump got where he is is through the theatrics. Yeah. Right. Through being a reality producer. And, and he's always, you know, obviously going on about uh, his ratings and, you know, when such and so spoke, those were great ratings. So so obviously he's considering audience reactions yeah. in that in that vein. But but I don't know that people really sort of see it historically and the way right. that you have laid it out, which is yeah. so interesting. And and also, I don't know that they see it historically in terms of Donald Trump's trajectory, which has been through not just entertainment television, but, uh, but um, what's it called? WWF, like the Wrestling Federation. Yeah. So in terms of the animation of these wrestlers, um, Adam Hodges has done a lot of really interesting work on how Trump basically embodies this type of uh, circus master uh, type of atmosphere. And um, clearly it's very effective. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I, I uh, of course I want to wish him the best for his health. Uh, but I will also say that uh, people will miss, uh, if, if he should lose the election, people will miss the, uh, the kind of hijinks that are coming yeah. out of the White House every single day, right? And there's no, you know, the fact that he calls uh, Joe Biden sleepy Joe and boring and all this stuff, like that, that resonates for some people, right? They want yes. a, a kind of, a, and the thing that Trump does so well is to make himself into bigger than life, right? Uh, stronger than life, 
uh, more powerful than like he's just a mega mega triple XL. Triple XL, one of those big cups. <laughs> yeah, man. He real. I really can't wait to be bored personally, but I get it. Yeah. Okay, in your book, there's a section or a, a chapter on bullshitting. Yes, and um, <laughs> I wanted to know if you could clarify because the the essay does a great job of saying what's the difference between a bullshitter and a liar. And I so mm-hmm. loved it because I never really thought about it before. But you do such a well. The book does such a great job of describing that. So I wondered if you could discuss that idea. So the the chapter that you're asking about is called 45 as a Bullshit Artist, Straining for Charisma. And here we have uh, Professor Marco Jacquemet, who has been working on uh, a tradition and philosophy of trying to define um, bullshit, right? So this started with Professor Harry Frankfurt from Princeton. Um, But a liar is somebody who who knows that they're telling a lie, understands that they're lying to you and that you may or may not be taken in by the lie. Right. Right. But a bullshitter differs crucially in that a bullshitter is not necessarily committed to the veracity or lack of veracity of what they're telling you. Right. He's just painting this picture that is for you to take in, but he's not, you know, he doesn't care that it's a lie, right? It, it could be a lie. It might not be a lie, but, but in that sense, uh, you know, he can be, uh, well, Trump can be extremely earnest in his tellings of non-truths because he's not committed to the fact that they are truth or not. Right. Um, and so I think that that, that would be uh, the definition of bullshit that Frankfurt was working with. Yes, and how when it's bullshit, the importance really isn't about the topic. It's more about the reflection on the sayer. Yeah. And that really clarified so much for me because Trump is a person who is very interested in his image, how people see him, um, that he is, in his mind, beloved. And so the the bullshit is really a, a purpose of another kind than to just mislead you about that topic. Yeah. That was so yeah. interesting. So in some ways it has like almost a higher purpose. And, you know, when he, when he went and did the drive, um, they're not calling it a drive-by, but a, what, are, what are they calling it? A drive-along or something? Because <laughs> uh, drive-by kind of means like drive-by shooting. Right. Uh, but people are wanting to call it like sure. a parade you know, the or circular whatever drive, whatever yeah. parade, self-parade that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that when he talked about people... Um, being out there and calling out his name, he was genuinely moved. Yeah. I I mean, you could tell that he really, really feels uh, the way that people felt. And he he was very, I don't know if humbled would be the right word for him, but he was very moved by the experience. Yeah. He was as touched as I think he can be. Yeah. And so, so there is, uh, there's a depth of feeling in his bullshit that is really, uh, remarkable, right? Because normally when we, when we think that somebody's bullshitting us, we, we don't think that they care that much. Right. Um, but I think that his is very deeply felt. <laughs> For him, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, okay. 
Next topic I wanted to ask you about is the idea of um, plausible deniability mm-hmm. and how effective he can be at using that, which can come into play with the bullshitting. Because if, he, if that's not really, the topic itself isn't important, then sometimes he will say, well, I didn't say it that way, or I didn't mean it, or he'll revise the quote, things like that. Do you think that his usage of plausible deniability is effective? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that he he and his uh, sort of PR machine, um, you know, including Kelly McEnany and his doctors, and everybody has perfected the finessing of what yes. uh what people are actually going to get in terms of uh of accounts of his behavior of how well he's doing so you could really see that with the doctors uh especially yes. his his main doctor who was careful to omit certain facts even though he was repeatedly asked sort of point blank about it uh, and he kept repeating his roundabout answer just to be able to um, to sort of present that plausible deniability, right? And I don't know if you follow uh, if you follow um, on Twitter um, the uh, oh my god, what's her name? I keep losing her name. Um, the daughter of oh uh, yeah, Claudia. Yeah, Claudia. Claudia Conway. Yeah. So Claudia Conway. Uh, yesterday, yesterday night was uh, on TikTok, sort of live TikToking, uh, a conversation with her mom, where she accused her mom of giving her COVID, and you can hear, uh, you can hear in the background, mom going, "Stop it! I didn't say that." And and so she sort of, you know, made her re kind of delete the previous TikTok and then go back in. And put in, uh, this is what my mom says. And she's basically transcribing. My mom says she had three tests. The first one was negative. Oh the second two were positive. And so she didn't deceive TikTok. me. Yeah. And so so it's really, there you can really see like the fingerprints of right. the parents, right? The, the fingerprints of the spin doctor trying right. to uh, finesse the message. Because of course, as it turns out, Claudia Conway has gotten Kellyanne Conway into all kinds of trouble. Uh, and she's constantly on Fox News. She's, you know, just a really interesting relationship. And uh, for me, the moral of that is never mess with a teenage girl. No way, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. She's the future of the revolution. <laughs> I believe the children are our future. I mean, it just, obviously people know that politics has always had spin and PR and yeah. lies and bullshit. It's not new. So what makes the Trump administration any different in your eyes? I think um, part of what makes the Trump era be different in terms of language mm-hmm. is that we really have entered a phase where, you know, plausible deniability is one part of it. Uh, but the stakes are so much higher and so much uglier, right? So, so now we have um, now we have to worry about uh, whether the incitement to you know basically the basically whether these incitements to action are going to result in violence. Mm-hmm. You know, will 
Trump saying, you know, get him out result in the person in the who's protesting getting beat up or roughed up or killed because Trump says, I'll take care of your of your legal expenses. Do you think that these sorts of cultural shifts can be undone? Can you put the toothpaste back in the tube or no matter who wins in the future or what happens, this is just the new way? I think this is the new way. Uh, And it's it's. A little bit scary to think about it. Uh, you know, I, I had been working on um, politicians uh, back when I lived in Arizona. And while I was working on town hall meetings, uh, I wasn't at this particular one, but it was when um, Gabby Giffords was shot. And I remember at that time, all kinds of uh, public policy think tanks created institutes to try to understand civility, right? So the National Institute for Civil Discourse was created at University of Arizona. And um, and I had a grant from them to study town hall meetings and disagreement in town hall meetings. And it's gone so far beyond that, uh, that civility and discourse like if somebody got up there and tried to say, let's, let's try to take steps towards being civil, people would be like, oh, that, that ship has sailed, right? We are so far past being civil. Now we're just trying to not, you know, decapitate each other or whatever. Right. Cause that's what I wonder whenever uh, the democratic party takes a different approach, I wonder if that will be resonant or whether it will just be ignored yeah, it's not very interesting to be civil, is it? Well, it it's not going to get you the you know eyeballs on the TV. <laughs> Although I always use the British Bake Off as an example, it's civil, still entertaining. I hope we can get more of that going on. <laughs> but you know, yeah, maybe that's sort of the exception. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for politics, maybe you're right. I mean, part, maybe part of the reason that um, part of the reason that Joe Biden seems old fogey is because he his focus is on decency. I know. Right. And, you know, when when we think about um, the the old Democratic uh, saying, you know, when they go low, we go high. Like, is there really room for going high That's uh, when somebody's taking you out of the kneecaps? <laughs> It's hard to say. It is hard I, to I say. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I, I also think that, uh, so right after right after the first Biden-Trump debate yes. the other day, uh, Joe Biden put out an ad, uh, a campaign ad, that was, the, the sort of tagline of it was, had enough. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't, but, it had but I have had Donald enough. Trump at the debate, Joe Biden at the debate, and... On top of Trump's face, there was a crying emoji. Okay. Uh, and they had put a soundtrack of a crying baby on top of it. So okay. it was like, wah, wah, wah. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, Biden trying to sort of take a turn and, and baby crying and crying and crying. And then it said, had enough. Okay. Almost like got milk, right? Right. And so, so I thought that was really interesting because that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of, that is really like a Gen Z kind of move, right? Yeah. That must have been one of his staffers making this up because right. uh, when when you have uh, Joe Biden trying to be civil and trying to be, you know, 
presidential or whatever and chiding Trump for not being presidential. Uh, but the way to reach the voters is going to be, you know, with memes and with uh, emojis and so well, on. I'm not sure. Especially on you know, social because yeah. it's shareable then too, you know. Yeah. But fun. if you look at that, uh, the Biden campaign is appropriating the crybaby discourse right. from the Republicans. Right. That was such so a great section of turning it around. Too. Yeah. Right. And you guys describe the significance of the insults and the consequences of using them. I don't know, man. I hope that (laughs) that doesn't continue, but it certainly does work sometimes. So that's another reason why your book is so important. Um, I know I'm keeping you too long, so let me ask you one more thing, and then it's my pleasure to be here with you guys. I'm such a fan of your show. Thank you, and you're so smart. You're lucky you don't live near me, or I would make you get coffee with me all the time because you are so brilliant. I love that. Where are you? Where are you located? I'm in LA. Oh, Are you so in LA? oh my gosh, don't tempt me. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> it's just so fascinating, the work that you do. And I hope that people constantly shower praise upon you. But um, there was a section in the book where you guys talk about the bad ombre uh, yeah. usage and all of those sort of, that it's like appropriating other languages. Yeah, yeah. How would you describe that? Okay, so this is something that was worked on by a colleague uh, named Jane Hill. And she um, she noticed that sometimes when you use a different language, you use it in a way that kind of puts down the language and its speakers, right? Yeah. So the the sort of classic example of that is hasta la vista, baby, where, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger went and shot up all these uh, machines, or I guess maybe just the one machine that he hated. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, when when people use Spanish in this appropriated way, uh, it has inherent in it a, a kind of lack of respect. First of all, you don't care about the grammar, actually. You don't care if it's right or not. It's just a kind of easy suffix that you can use, uh, usually in pejorative terms. So you call something like el chipo or whatever, yeah. right? Or, yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm el lado. Uh, and it's a, yeah. it's a put down in that way. And so by, uh, by using uh, bad hombres in this way, and what was so funny about it is that actual Spanish speakers like myself are just like, what? <laughs> bad hombres? Hombres? Like the way that he pronounced it were like, you could be saying bad hungers. You could oh, be wow. saying bad hombres, right? Like the right. haircuts, the hairstyles. Uh, so it wasn't quite clear. But what was clear was that he was meaning to put them down, right? That was Those Spanish clear. speakers that are supposedly so bad. And so he was simultaneously elevating his own masculinity and putting down those purportedly bad hombres, right? You got some bad hombres. We're going to take care of that. Yeah. Um, and, and his usage and what's of so local... funny is he also said it, wound up saying it to the Mexican president, <laughs> which I, I'm not even really sure what, what he thinks he's doing with that, but at the Mexican president at that time. Yeah. Oh, okay. I always need like a glass of wine after I talk about him for too long. Um, Okay, so I guess the final question is just sort of why do you think it's important for people to see, as you uh, rightly say, is sort of the magic behind the tricks? Why is language important and why is your book a part of that? Yeah. 
So I think for us, the the main part of the book is to try to show how language manipulates reality, right? And for me, there's no better examples of that than the the sort of linguistic fighting that we've had over COVID, right? Yeah. So the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, says COVID spreads through the air. And then the White House says, oh, you can't say that. Don't say that. Take it down. Mm -hmm. So they take it down. But when you have public health guidance that is being fought about, you know, the language of which is being fought about, you know, you can't say uh, until today, you couldn't say COVID spread through the air. You can't mention climate change in the White House website. Any references to climate change have to be taken out. You can't, in Voice of America newscasts, right? This is America's image to the whole world. Those are being controlled in, through the White House. They don't want anything even remotely um, irregular about Trump. Uh, people are, you know, and this is actually not a new thing, but uh, the pattern has escalated of uh, going into National Science Foundation and National Endowment of the Humanities and setting governmental priorities like that. So when, when you have the production of knowledge that is being fought about and tussled over uh, with these political ends, I mean, I think for us that can be really dangerous. We won't know um, what is happening climate-wise because people are not allowed to tell us, right? People who speak Spanish won't know about certain developments in the law because they've taken down all the Spanish-speaking websites in the White House, uh, whitehouse.gov. So so I think that for us to be able to get the information that we need as a body politic to make decisions that affect us, everything from should I wear a mask in the elevator – to you know what's happening with the gas prices or why are there all these dead fish turning up in my bayou like all of these things that we need to know as people in this um in this country are being controlled so our reality is being manufactured and i the book also points out that the dishonesty increased and it to me pointed to him being emboldened by it working and then it yeah. increases. And also I noticed after the debate, as soon as the commentators came on, they were swearing. And it, the book points out how it's kind of contagious that the language in the Trump era yeah. is not just Trump. It's it's us culturally yeah. and yeah. societally. So that's why you we used to be, we used to be so shocked, right? When when <laughs> this know. all started and right. the uh, you know, grab him by the pussy thing yeah. came out. Like I remember, you know, trying to make sure that my child didn't hear it. And now there's all of these uh, websites of, you know, how to introduce your children to all of this terrible stuff that's happening. Right. When right. one of my, on my very first season of reality TV, I said the F word, they made an entire episode about my downward spiral. Now, like, I don't even think there'd be an episode without an F word, number one. But, you know, you're right. We used to demure at certain language that now is just every day and on television. And these things have consequences. Okay. Uh, We ask everybody one last thing, which is what do you keep in the trunk of your car if you have a car? In the trunk of my car, there is some fake grass. (laughs) Why? (laughs) 
<laughs> Why, Doc? It's, it's not exactly. It's more like uh, because my daughter always wants to have uh, like she wants to feel like we're outside or camping oh, or something. That's so nice. And so uh, when she when we're somewhere and she has to wait, I just put down the the sort of back seats and we put out this fake grass uh, and sit sit on it. This is the best answer anyone has ever given. That's hilarious, but also really lovely. Yeah. Wow, what a, that should catch on. Maybe we all it's, need a patch of grass in our a patch of grass. Like it's your portable little patch of grass. Oh my gosh, I yeah. love it. And well, we actually use it a lot. Like if we go to, you know, if we like go to the beach or, or we, yeah. you know, we use it almost like as a beach blanket. Yeah, right. Yeah. It makes sense, but nobody's ever said it before. So you win. But thank you so much. I hope everyone thank reads your Thank you for having book. me. Thank it's you. Amazing. And I just want to say uh, that everybody should go out and vote. Uh, everybody, please vote and know that your vote is so important. Um, everything that you do in this election is going to have a consequence. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're thank off you. the hook, my friend. Did you know that everyone has an aura? Do you know what color your aura is? Maybe you have a fiery red personality or a quiet and calm blue or green. You could be an organized and methodical yellow or an explosive purple. Come join me, Mystic Michaela, on my podcast, Know Your Aura, to find out all about how your personality can be explained in colors. 